Hey guys, it's Kelly, and I want to welcome you back to the Unbroken Podcast. So to all my new listeners that have made their way over here from TikTok, welcome to my very happy safe space. My podcast is my precious little baby, and it's where I get to come and just share my thoughts about different topics and where I get to share my fears, my story, and everything else. And to all of my listeners that have been with me since the start, welcome back. And thank you so much for the continued love and support. I did something yesterday that I've never done before. Anyone that truly knows me knows that I don't get very personal when it comes to sharing my story for multiple reasons, safety being one of those. But I had had a couple of people's videos pop up on my TikTok for you page talking about a march on DC in October demanding the client list from Jeffrey Epstein and I got so annoyed anyone that's listened knows how against naming names like that I am because it puts the victim in so much danger and people just don't think about that part but I made some videos where I got very vulnerable and very personal because I wanted people to see a more real setting of where sex trafficking occurs. It was not very easy, but I went to Google and took some screenshots of different homes that I was trafficked out of. The two specific ones was the one that I escaped from and the one that I spent the majority of my childhood at. And, um, oh, getting a little anxious. It was difficult because seeing them was hard and then posting them again was even harder. But the one video of my childhood home just about an hour ago hit 1 million views and I am just blown away that it reached that many people and there was a lot of questions but one of the things that I noticed was a lot of people commented oh wow that looks like my grandparents house and asked me a whole bunch of locations that they thought this house was in I don't share locations for obvious safety reasons, but I think that it really helped to get that message across that it's happening in neighborhoods that we all live in. And I think showing the pictures of the house and the neighborhood really helped to get that message through. So as hard as it was, I pushed through. I did not think it would get to a million views, but... I'm happy that people are starting to understand that, yes, there are politicians and celebrities that are involved in trafficking, but the majority happens by a child's parents or a woman's husband or a man's wife or a woman's wife. It happens by their family in houses all over America in regular normal looking neighborhoods and people miss that and like I've said in other episodes I don't know if it's because they just want to separate themselves as far from trafficking as they can or 
what the reason is, but I really think that posting that video was a good idea, and I think that it's going to help a lot of people realize just how close to home trafficking is to people. My experience, I started off in a very small house. I did not post that one because there has been an awful lot of um, renovations done to it, so it looks so different, but it was a tiny house. The bedroom that I stayed in was 10 foot by 10 foot, and that did not include or that included the closet, so I mean, it was even smaller, but eventually we moved into the other house where I spent the majority of my life, and it was in just a regular suburban neighborhood. All of my neighbors, um, I don't think they knew exactly what was happening. I think they had an idea that something was, they just didn't know what it was. And to be honest, that is the norm when it comes to sex trafficking. I think a lot of people think that there's just this big, huge mansion where they put a child in the middle of a room and then they auction and purchase that child and they're taken into sexual servitude. And that's just not what sex trafficking is. It's not a one-and-done sale. It is a sale that happens over and over and over again, multiple times a day, almost on a daily basis. And it's not happening on an island in the Caribbean. It's happening in America and other countries right next door. And I hope that getting that vulnerable and personal by showing the home that I had is going to be helpful for some people to understand that and possibly pay attention to the homes in their neighborhood and see if they see anything that throws up some red flags or gives them a weird gut feeling and hopefully they can save people. The man James that kidnapped me after my escape from my parents, his cousin ran a trafficking ring and they lived in a very big house. Um, He had been doing it for quite some time, but you would never know walking in. You wouldn't even know sitting in the house because I was in that house. I couldn't even tell. The house that he held me captive in, it was a very tiny house, two bedrooms, with a basement that had a little built-in bedroom is where I was staying. But this is how it happens, and this is the norm. The great, a great percentage of victims know their traffickers prior to being trafficked. And familial trafficking is the most common, but it is the least talked about, and I really want to change that conversation and get people to start talking about how it is the family members because we're not going to find sex trafficking on an island of someone that has passed away. It's not happening there anymore. It has in the past, but no longer. So instead of focusing on where trafficking is not happening, I think we need to change that conversation 
and start focusing on where it actually is happening. And like I've said, it's in your neighborhood. There are probably houses that have victims in it that's parents are trafficking them. I also showed a street view of a house when I lived in North Carolina after my escape. And um, there was a little girl that cried at the same time every day. And the mother would slam the window shut. And I was talking with my neighbor that I was very friendly with. And I asked her, like, you know, what's the deal? And she's like, it happens all the time. I think she just doesn't like taking her nap because it seems to be around the same time every day. And I noticed that there was a car out front. So the next day, it did happen again. And I noticed the car was different. And then the next day, the same thing. It was a different car. And that's when I was like, there's something not okay about this. So I called the authorities. I had turned over all the evidence that I had. And the little girl was removed from her home. And it was founded that her mother was, in fact, sex trafficking her. I don't know the extent of the little girl's story. If I did, I probably would not share it because it's not my story to tell. I don't know what happened to her or anything like that. But what I do know is she was eventually taken from the home. And hopefully she is living a happy life right now and able to recover from the trauma. And it's literally something that simple. A different car out front of the house every day was the only sign that I had to go off of. And in a lot of cases, that's what happens. In my family home, I don't know entirely how much the clients were coming in and out of the front door. We had a house that backed up to the woods, so it was pretty easy for people to come in and out through the back, through another street. I'm sure they used all sorts of resources like that to kind of hide the ongoing traffic. But a sign that a lot of people can look for is a lot of foot traffic, different cars that are parked out front of the houses. I know in my apartment complex, um, close to my building, I can tell you exactly which cars are supposed to be there and which ones are potentially from a guest because just paying close attention to that little detail could show a lot. Um, in the houses, you might see different people walking in and out. You may think that they are just contractors. I mean, they could hide their identities, make it look like they're doing work on the homes. I mean, there's a lot of different things. But if you see something and your gut tells you there's something wrong, chances are there's something wrong. And like I always say, it is better to report and be wrong than it is to be right and do nothing. And if you are misjudging the situation, you're not going to get in trouble for filing a false police report as long as your intentions behind it are true. But we've got to do something because right now the laws 
in this country for sex trafficking aren't the greatest. As an adult, you have to actually ask for help and have to tell whomever comes to do the raid or a welfare check or anything like that, that you are being held against your will or they will not be able to help you. I don't know how to change that. I don't know if it's possible to change something like that, but I really hope there's some way to improve that type of situation so that way adults don't have to ask and don't have to say it if there's something obvious showing it because um, we really don't understand entirely what is happening to us while we're being trafficked. I mean, I was 33 when I finally had a term for it, but if an officer asked me if I was being held against my will when I was in my 20s living with my parents, I would never say that I was because I was just living with my parents. I mean, a lot of things were going on that were very much not normal that I thought were normal, but it's just something needs to change there. And I could go on probably for hours about all the different laws that need to be changed, but right now it is so terrifying for a victim to go forward to the police. In the instance where I attempted to press charges against the man that kidnapped me, it was a lot, and I had to make three separate statements that were hours long, and nothing came of it except he got notified that I made allegations, which makes me now feel like I'm in more danger than I was prior to opening my mouth. So we have to create a safe space for survivors so they feel more comfortable coming forward. I know myself included, as well as a lot of other survivors that I'm friends with, most of us are just like, we just don't want to bother with it. We're safe, we're away from them, and we don't want to stir the pot. And I think that's a big problem. And I think if the laws were a little bit different and the survivor world was a lot less toxic, we would find a lot more people coming forward. One of the main issues that I have with sharing my story on TikTok, and if anyone's listening that asks these questions, I absolutely have no hate for you, is I get asked a lot, like, what are your parents' names? Where do they live? Let me go take care of them. And I feel uncomfortable with that because that's not information I want to share and it's not information that I ever will share for safety reasons. Um, I feel like I might say this a little wrong, but I feel like people need to start trusting the gut of survivors. Obviously, if I thought it was beneficial in any way, I would share their names. But unfortunately, it is not. And it's for my protection and more importantly, my children's protection, not theirs. The people that need to know already know. The people that don't need to know are never going to. 
and the public is not people that need to know. And I know a lot of people disagree with that. I know there are some nasty comments that I get saying that essentially because I'm not naming names that I'm putting other people in danger, but I can't get too much into details, but that's just not the case. But that's not something that should ever be said to someone that survived such a horrific crime as sex sex trafficking because that trauma is unreal. It is so hard to talk about. It is hard to even get up in the morning sometimes. So I'm not saying that we need to be treated as little tiny children and protected at all times, but it definitely needs to be a safer place. I think people need to understand there are things that are very inappropriate to ask, and there are some things that are absolutely beneficial. I mean, I had made a video months ago about realtors being part of sex trafficking rings and someone that was a realtor asked me to explain a little bit and that was an awesome question and I do get more awesome questions than I do the uncomfortable ones but understand when a survivor shares their story it is a very intimate thing for us it is our trauma it is horrific things that we've been through And we will share what we feel comfortable with. And I know that there are survivors that are on TikTok that share names, locations, and so much more than I do, but that's their comfort level, not mine. And I share my story on my terms, and every survivor gets to do so. But, Sorry, my head is a little crazy right now. It has been hectic. (laughs) Um, But I I think it's very important to start viewing sex trafficking survivors as people. And I've said it before on TikTok. I've said it before in episodes that we are looked at differently and I don't think people don't think we're human I just think that their thirst for knowledge they kind of forget that we're people too and we have feelings we have triggers we have safety issues we have a lot of things that we're dealing with so trust us if we share a certain part of our story and don't give details on certain things, there's a reason we're not sharing those details. And maybe we don't want to explain why because we don't owe an explanation to anybody. But it's a long road ahead. And I think a lot more survivors coming out has been amazing. And I'm very hopeful for our future. I had talked with a friend of mine that is a police officer and said to him, um, it really hurts because I feel like everyone always wants those gory details and I can never understand why they would want to hear details of being tortured. And he said, you know, it's just 
the way that we're programmed, I guess, with all the gory movies and TV shows. But when I posted those videos of the homes and they just went crazy, I realized it wasn't just gory details that people wanted. They were wanting a more personal view. And in my case, they were looking at an actual house where trafficking happened inside. And I've had quite a few comments where people said they had no idea that it happened in neighborhoods like that, that the neighborhoods looked like theirs, the houses looked like their grandparents and stuff. I mean, it's amazing that people are starting to wake up. I never wanted to be famous. I still don't want to be famous. I just want to make changes. I want to make sure that my children's um, people of my children's age are never going to have to go through what I did and their children and then their children. I want to make changes for all the generations to come. And I may not make all those changes before I'm no longer here on this earth, but I hope that I start the spinning wheel, the path, whatever word it is that I can't think of right now. And that it continues long after I'm forgotten because this has been going on for entirely too long and it happens entirely too much and there's just not enough people that are looking in all the right directions that will help make that stop. So if I can get even just a few people to look in the right areas and they spread that message to their friends, and then they spread it to their friends. That's how we'll ultimately end sex trafficking. They have been operating hidden in plain sight since long before I was even a thought in my parents' minds, probably long before they were a thought in their parents' minds. And we don't need to let them hide anymore. So to anyone listening that intends to go to the march in D.C., obviously it is your choice to do so, but getting the names on Epstein's client list is not going to do anything to save victims because the victims are in your neighborhood. The victims are down the street. They are at the coffee house with you getting coffee, at the mall shopping while you're shopping. They are close to home, and that's where we need to focus. I lived in a suburban neighborhood where everybody knew everybody in a town of less than 20,000 population, and I was trafficked to celebrities and politicians, and I can tell you right now, I was nowhere near Hollywood or D.C., so... Think about that when you are making plans to go down and demand names because it's really not going to solve anything other than your curiosity. And yes, I understand why people want that, but think about what that does to the victims because they're ultimately what matters most. We cannot end sex trafficking and we cannot save any victims and we cannot support survivors if we are not keeping their best interests at heart 
And that is my goal to make sure that people start to see things that way. Obviously not going to force anyone, but hopefully sharing some more personal details and showing things like that and talking about it will help people to start to see that. When I first shared my story on TikTok, it was because I wanted to put a human face to sex trafficking, thinking that people would really start to see it if they saw the face of a victim. And I've reached so many people. I have gotten over 16,000 subscribers here. I am now in the top 5% global in my category, which is like mind-blowing. So I hope that people are learning. And hey, 16,000 is not a lot. It seems like a lot to a lot of people, but in the grand scheme of things, if those 16,000 people each told one person, I don't even know how many it would be because I suck at math, but, and all those told one, then the world would start to know. And that's ultimately my goal here. And that's the reason why I share my story. So I want to thank everybody that has come over here from TikTok to hear my story. I want to thank everybody that's been with me forever. Your love and support means more than you could ever know. I would never have been able to post those videos without y'all. And I hope everyone is having an amazing September. And I am sure not a lot of people are happy that summer is coming to an end. But let me tell you, this girl is. It was in the 40s the other night, and I was outside, like, so excited that it was not ungodly hot. But um, I did open up my podcast listener support through Anchor, which is where I publish through. Um, not asking anyone to donate, but it's there if anyone wants to use it. I do pay for a lot of support. <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of subscriptions and I put a lot of time and work into my podcasts and I don't make a single cent. I'm not monetized. I have zero sponsors. So any little bit would help and would be completely appreciated. But again, it is not necessary. Also, I know it's going to sound strange, but I just noticed on a lot of uh, podcast apps like Apple and Spotify, they actually do rankings. So I've seen a lot of reviews and seen on most places that I have five out of five stars. So like, thank you so much, guys. That's awesome. Means the world. So if you haven't left a rating yet and you want to, that I would really appreciate it. Hearing that people are listening and supporting me is more than I could ever ask for because I never had that throughout my entire life. I can't go back in time and find someone to support me, but I have found it here on my podcast in my happy little safe space, and my life has improved dramatically because of it. I'm going to leave it there for tonight, and hopefully we'll start posting a little bit more often. Um, I've been going through some things, but everything seems to be being okay. So I hope y'all have a great evening and I will talk with y'all soon. Have a good one.